is the Under Center Podcast. Hello and welcome to another edition of the Under Center Podcast. I'm your host, Dara Mar, and I'm joined by two of the main members of the Backstreet Boys Tribute Act of Ireland, the Moore Street Lads, Fionn Malloy and Al McGrath. Lads, uh, it's been a minute since we've talked last on the show. How are you getting on? Better than last time, anyway. <laughs> yeah, a little bit. Yeah, I've been I've been pretty good watching all this uh, free agency unfold. Has been a bit of fun. It's not the same as watching football, but there's been a lot more storylines than than a lot of years. So at least it's been interesting to keep tabs on things. It definitely has. It's taken a sort of leaf out of the NBA book with all these trades as well during free agency too, and it's something that I'm sure we'll get into probably uh, next week. I think we'll be in good time to have a look at it, and we'll we'll mm-hmm. talk about winners or losers from it. But I want to go to a bit more of a local side of things because. Um, uh, just past week, or these, this is the second week now, we haven't had a chance to speak about it on the show. This is the second week of the uh, American Football Ireland season, starting back here again. Uh, three three years later, after our last game, the North Dublin Pirates played their first game yesterday up north against uh, the Causeway Giants. Football is back, and it's great. Um, and that is back. Unfortunately, the result didn't go our way yesterday. Uh, Fiona and Al, I know you weren't available to actually play the game um, yesterday yourself. So it was just myself that went up um, from the show to, to play. Great to to be on the field again. Great to play. Um, I'm in absolute agony today. <laughs> Everything hurts. Uh, you will probably see me twitch or move and little grimace during the show. Pay no attention to that. It's fine. A big thank you as well to the guys in the Causeway Giants for the hospitality uh, during and after the game too. Um, And we're really looking forward to the return game uh, in a couple of weeks. Uh, Fionn, like I said, you didn't get to play the game yesterday, but I'm sure you were sort of stuck to your phone to to the group chat to see uh, the latest updates. Absolutely, yeah. I think good game. Look, the the results didn't go our way. You've got to give credit to the lads up up in Causeway Giants. They... They had a little bit of a mini season last season, so that definitely keep, gave them a bit of hand being tuned up and a, a lot of air lads are blooding a lot of rookies and, and getting the rust off. So look, from all I've heard, uh, the the scoreline didn't necessarily reflect the football played on the day. So I'm really looking forward to this return leg. I think it's going to be a great game of football. And by all accounts, it was a pretty nice game of football to watch uh, up there last uh, on Sunday. So yeah, pretty excited. Yeah. Yeah, and of course the Giants in their new field of uh, Lion Park as well. So, um, lovely marked out pitch too. Um, I, the wind was a bit of a, an issue, um, but look, they can't do anything about that. That's just the elements. But lovely day all the same, and like I said, great to be back. And the Pirates will be back in two weeks' time playing away to the Loud Mavericks. So hopefully we can get the season back on track. But lads, I think that's enough local football to talk about. We'll talk about yep. that more in the coming weeks. Uh, do you think it's time we get on our for, our guest for tonight? Absolutely. We are delighted to have former Seattle Seahawks linebacker and three-time pro bowler Lofa Tatupu on the show joining us. Lofa, it's great to speak to you, sir. How are you? I'm lovely, mate. Did I do that right? (laughs) (laughs) I sound a bit Australian, I have to say. What's what's the word for buddy? Chap? Pal? What do we call him? I think well, lad, lad is pretty common over okay. here. Yeah. I didn't want to be disrespectful with the lad. I didn't, I didn't know. <laughs> you were a lovely lad. <laughs> I don't. I don't think you could really say a word that would be disrespectful to us if you were trying to say, 
Yeah, a friend may, like, we do the common thing, and I don't know if, if you do it yourself, but for me, if I don't know someone's name, I just say, hey, man, how are you? Like, you got, I don't well, remember. Hey, well, hey, man, it's great to see you. <laughs> I'm good, fellas. Thanks for having me. No problem at all. No problem at all. It's been in the work for a couple of weeks. We, we've, we're we delighted to finally have you on the show to talk a bit of football. And um, like, obviously, listeners to the show will know, like, two of the guys here, Seahawks fans, will try and keep it as broad as possible. We won't keep it to a Seahawks only show because I'm sure Fionn will uh, be only delighted to talk about Russell Wilson and the cliff that he's fallen <laughs> off now the last couple of years. But let's let's uh, let's actually before we we get into sort of your career and playing in the NFL, have you ever had the chance actually to come over and visit Ireland? I have not had the pleasure. I haven't. Uh, hopefully, maybe the Hawks will play one day over there, and I can get over there. Yeah. Well, look, you have a you have a standing invitation now, as because you've been on the show, you have a standing invitation to any North Dublin Pirates game you want to come to. Uh, you are most certainly invited, and uh, we'll uh, we'll give you some good Irish hospitality after the game as well. That sounds great, fellas. I appreciate it. <laughs> no problem at all. We'll we'll pencil you in for uh, probably next week, then, right? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, pencil it in. <laughs> but um, yeah, so let's. Um, Let's actually uh, get into it because I was doing the research for this uh, interview. I came across something interesting about your first uh, season with the Seahawks and, and an affectionate nickname that the fans gave you um, called the Butt Slapper. you care to explain that a little bit? I, that's a new one. See, everyone's been calling me. I, I had someone say Loaf of the Lion, and I don't know where that one came from either, but they were calling me the Polynesian Lion. And uh, I'll take it. It sounds it sounds better than the butt slapper. <laughs> but, uh, I'm, I'm assuming they're talking about it's so loud at the stadium that, you know, my first couple games, I was trying to just bark out the call. Yeah, I'm yelling. Right. You know, and uh, no one's moving. And, you know, there was, you know, some some older veterans. I'm just a rookie. So they're like, oh, we didn't get the call. And I was like, all right, well, I'm gonna make sure you get the call. And so, you know, I. Had to hit some guys. Had to hit some pools. <laughs> but I, mean, I don't care how loud you echo your hands and you're shouting, man. It's 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 hell for not just opposing offense, but also me as, as yeah. a middle linebacker, as a signal caller. Well, that's it, and that's that's one thing that I guess that we. Uh that is not really talked about a lot when it comes to, because obviously they say that the Seahawks fans are one of the most passionate fan bases in the NFL. And obviously when the opposing team is on offense, you know, the stadium gets loud, but for you guys on defense, like you're saying, trying to call out plays, it must be really tough to try and actually get the plays across to the guys on the field. Yeah. And so you have to oftentimes go to sign language or hand signals, you know, to make sure we're all in the same coverage on the back end, because you know, a guy like Peyton Manning, you know, Tom Brady, Aaron Rodgers, they'll find out if you're not on the same page. And I mean, it's a, it's, it's a long day facing them anyways, but especially if they know what, what's, you know, what, what defense you're playing. So it's, uh, it was challenging for us. We definitely enjoyed playing on the road. We love playing in front of the 12s and, and you know, at home, but um, it, it really is. It causes problems for both uh, the opposing offense, but also our defense. I guess that's what you're saying. You might be uh, better to play away from home sometimes as well, because like I said, those home fans will be quiet for their offense at work. So it lets you to call out your plays, no trouble. Oh, absolutely. And uh, so it was, uh, yeah, I always enjoyed 
playing on the road too. You're going into somebody else's backyard, you know, hostile environment, fans, you know, talking shit and throwing stuff at you. Uh, Oh, my bad. Am I allowed to swear here? Oh, go ahead. But yeah, so I, I enjoyed it. It was awesome playing at home, but I really did. I like the road games. So, uh, you know, my, my, my teammates could actually hear me. Yeah. And I guess one of the most intimidating atmospheres as well that you could play in away from home is is uh, Lincoln Financial. Um, and that game, I believe, in 2007 against the Eagles, uh, you probably had pro- your greatest game in the NFL. Three interceptions uh, over, I think it was 11 tackles as well. Like, uh, how, like, how was it playing in that game, especially in the rain as well, uh, uh, up there in Philadelphia with that fan base? Yeah, it was uh, it was a special game. It was uh, we needed it to clinch a spot for the playoffs, which you know made it that much more important and more special and near dear to me. But um, when we went we went on the road, I had a torn oblique against the Rams, and we barely beat them. It came down to a goal line stand the week before, so that I didn't practice all week. And we get to the game, or we get to Friday, and um, you know, like eight of us came down with the flu. And I was one of them. And so they put you, when you get the flu, they get you on a whole nother floor. They're like, hey, it's like you're part of the team, but you're not really. They put you in the back of the meeting room. They said, don't talk to anybody. You have to go eat, you know, separately. It was, uh, so it was definitely different from that, you know, standpoint. But I got out there and in pregame warmups, I'm wondering how I'm going to get through this. My body's hurting more than normal because I got the flu on top of the torn oblique. But I look over in the corner and the pregame ritual that Julian Peterson and Leroy Hill and I had, we would talk shit to the opposing fans. <laughs> I mean, you know, and uh, there was one guy over there and he he just yells to me, he goes, Tatupu, you know, in so many words, he said, you're soft because you're not playing today. And uh, so I turned around. I said, hey, you know what? Fuck that. I'm playing today. And I'm going to get an interception. I'm going to throw it over your head to that 51 jersey. <laughs> and so first play of the game I get an interception I run it back I didn't score I told him I was going to score so I guess he could call me a liar in that regard but I threw threw the ball right over his head to the 51 jersey and uh and from that moment on it it was on I knew we were going to win that game and um you know I was uh is the best like you said and the best best game of my life uh at any level but especially to have it you know meaning a playoff spot that was uh, that was what meant the most. Uh, Lofa, when it comes to a game like that, is that something that, like you said, that first play you got that interception? Do you feel the game come to you, or is it more you get so in rhythm, you're like, oh, I know, I know where this ball is going before it's gone, or is it more a sense of playing to your instincts, all the preparation you've done in the week and the game, the ball just seems to find its way to you throughout the game. I was so out of my mind with the flu that I had no choice to be in every moment or like they said, being in the zone, right? Like we all know our best performance when you just totally immersed in the moment and it seems so effortless. The game's coming. You can't do wrong. Like in basketball, you can't miss. The hoop seems just huge. Um, It it didn't matter what I did. I did drop an interception though. It should have been four. And I'll never forget that. Uh, but for the most part, it felt like it was just effortless and, and flowing. So um, it was it was a good question, man. But yeah, definitely felt like it was flow state uh, in the moment. Yeah. And and I, I want to sort of take it back to your uh, 
college career because you started with the University of Maine before transferring to USC and, and of course with, with P. Carroll. But USC weren't your first choice, was it? Um, I believe it was a, it was a, with with Oregon, and uh, you were actually co- you were planning to commit to. Uh, any Division One school was my first choice. <laughs> <laughs> you know, when I went to Maine out of high school, I didn't get recruited. I uh, I got three scholarship offers to play Division One football: UConn, Rutgers, and Temple. They wanted me to play quarterback, and uh, I took a, a look around the landscape of the NFL, and I didn't see any five eleven Samoan quarterbacks. You know, at the time. But I saw a ton of 5'11 linebackers. And I was like, hey, man, if I just watch these guys, Zach Thomas, London Fletcher, Sam Mills, Dexter Coakley, Datwin, I studied every single game that they had. And and I just tried to build because I knew if I had a chance to play in the NFL, it was going to be a linebacker. And so I ended up going to Maine. And then when I transferred, you're right, Oregon was the, uh, the ones that wanted me first. And um, at the time, they were at the top of the pack. You know, they were they were going to Fiesta Bowl and the BCS uh, Bowls. And um, so I was committed to play there. But then, you know, I didn't know my dad had sent a tape to uh, USC, you know, and uh, Southern Cal and Pete Carroll. And so I took a trip down there um, and they loved the film and they offered me a scholarship. They said, hey, uh, if you come here, if we give you a scholarship, will you come here over Oregon? All my family was in uh, San Diego, just south of L.A., so I said, yeah, man, I'll absolutely come here. But I, I took the scholarship thinking that I would have a better chance to play at SC, not knowing that Pete Carroll had just recruited three straight uh, top five classes. So it, it became harder to play there than, than really at Oregon. That, that's the crazy part. I bet you the weather didn't hurt either, though, when that decision was being made between Oregon or, or Southern California. I think that probably made it a little bit easier, too, didn't it? I mean, yeah, I mean, I guess I was just lucky to have a choice, but you're right. You know, palm trees and sunshine wasn't, wasn't, wasn't too bad. <laughs> definitely not. Definitely not. And, and speaking like of, of Pete Carroll, of course, and his career and, and, and your dad, obviously, uh, Mossy, who played for the Patriots for, for 14 years. And, and if I'm right, um, your dad would have probably played against a Pete Carroll. Definitely. He was a defensive backs coach for the yeah. Vikings. But was he also the in the same division? Was he was your dad still playing with the Patriots when he went over to the Jets to be the, uh, the defensive Jets? coordinator? No, I think I think uh, he would have already been retired. Uh, I think Pete, that was like early '90s. My dad left in '90. I think '90 or '91 yeah. was his last season with the Rams. And I think either '93 or '94, Pete got to uh, New York, I believe. But um, but we stayed. Was- Oh, sorry, right. sorry to interrupt you there. So I, t- I thought he was defensive coordinator uh, in the from like yeah. 1990. You know what? He might have been. Um, yeah. But I, I, my my dad's last year though was not with the Patriots. It was with the Rams in LA. Oh yes, yeah. 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 So I, but I guarantee you they they crossed paths. Um, like my dad played from 78 to, to 90, and Pete's been coaching forever. And so, like you said, from Minnesota, and then also, um, you know, New York, and then eventually he came to New England and. Uh, when I was in high school, Pete was uh, my first couple of years of high school. Pete was the head coach at, of the Patriots. Yeah. So, yeah. so there was some familiarity there. I know that my dad still spent some time, you know, in that, in the building um, with, uh, you know, looking at film, kind of scouting, you know, helping, helping out the Patriots. But um, yeah, but at, out of high school, like my dad had called Pete and was like, Hey, you know, um, 
he doesn't have a lot of offers, but, you know, my boy can play, you know, kind of like standing on the table for me. And I understand, you know, Pete's like, well, you know, Massachusetts, you know, that's all the way across in the country and everything. And so um, it didn't happen right away out of, uh, out of high school. But then after a year, um, I think, you know, he saw the tape and he said, hey, uh, we, could, we could use him. And then it turned out uh, it, was, it, was, it was just a perfect fit. Uh, I, got, I got lucky being there at that time. I mean, you look at all the All-Americans that they had, especially on offense, Mike Williams, Matt Liner, Carlson Palmer, um, future Hall of Famer Troy Polamalu was our defensive captain. It was insane, the level of talent that was there. Yeah, for sure. And, and you know, other players like that, and like you're saying, you have a, a lot of connections with, with sort of the California area and, and San Diego, of course, being born there, going to USC, and a sort of another a person who was, you know, synonymous with, with uh, California and San Diego in that time was Junior Seo, of course, played the same position as you. Was he sort of a player that you sort of looked up to and sort of tried to model your game around uh, growing up? Yeah, uh, Junior is one of my all-time favorites, and he made he was the one that had me. This passion for the game is how I tried to bring my passion to the game because he, man, you could tell how much fun he was having playing the game. He was doing what he loved. He did it for 20 years. But, yeah, I got to meet him. The the, the Chargers came to uh, to play the, the Patriots. I want to say it was like 94 or 95, you know, one of his first couple years in there. And uh, I got to meet. I was 12 years old. I have a picture of me and Junior Seau outside of a Patriot Stadium. And then um, fast forward, you know, 10 years after that, and um, I get to be playing against him. And, uh, you know, I got to see him after the game and, and say hello. And he also did. He came down to Southern Cal, and uh, he would drop in and, uh, you know, say hi to the Trojans. And, uh, you know, it's, it was such a legend and a guy that one of the best to ever play it at the, at the position. And, uh, but he was a lot, you know, he said, did I look up to him? Yeah, I looked up to him. He was about six, seven inches taller than me. <laughs> he, was he was like 6'5", he was two, 250, and he could fly, man. Um, so, you know, they, I, I had fun watching him and, and Brian Erlacher and some of these greats, but he, it's, it's tough. You can't, there's not much from their game that you can translate to yours because they were such uh, freaks of nature athletically and physically. Um, and it's slightly off topic there. Um, that uh, that uh, season with Jim Mora, um, after that, um, were you excited to be uh, reunited with Pete uh, for as short a time as it was? Yeah, yeah, I, I actually felt bad for Jim. It was he only got one year, um, and you know, I got hurt, and so I almost felt like I let not only the team down but also Jim because uh, we were. Oh, I think we were like three and two or, or two, two and three or three and two when I got hurt. And then we only won like one game, the rest, two games the rest of the year, you know? So I'm not, I'm not saying if I'm in there, we win, you know, we go back to the playoffs, you know, 10 and six, but I, I think we're a much more competitive uh, group. And, uh, you know, so it was hard to see, see that happen. Um, I was excited to reconnect with Pete. Um, I had hoped that he would bring the defense that we ran. He brought the defense he was currently running with uh the with the trojans because he had you know ray malaluga brian cushing clay matthews kaluk mayava keith rivers you know we were running true four three down down at uh at sc when i was there when we were winning national championships and then he went to like a hybrid kind of a defense which you know it, it was 
much different than anything we had ran before. Um, and then just, I mean, a year or two after, he went right back to the 4-3, uh, which I would have preferred to stay in. But I knew it was special to, to build something with Pete down there at SC that, you know, people still talk about. And then it was special because I was here for a year as he was starting to try to turn around the culture and, uh, you, know, you know, get the winning ways back to, to the, you know, the Pacific Northwest. I, I saw what was happening with that first draft. Man, him and John, they knocked it out of the park with Russell Ocone was the first pick, Earl Thomas second. Uh, second round was Golden Tate, um, Kev Chancellor, Walter Thurman. Like a bulk of our, I mean, half of the Legion of Boom, and then just some other phenomenal players started, you know, showing up, you know, uh, in, in those drafts. And it was, it was incredible. Yeah. And, and what takes a while, Jordan, your time there at, I believe you were um, you played in the infamous you know beastquake game uh, against against the saints you know that that caused yeah. the the mild sort of earthquake and like like we mentioned at the start of the interview about the Seattle fans but you know it's on the sidelines there watching that play and then seeing probably the stadium shake as as Marshawn is running that in what was it what was it like that night well my head was already shaking because I had just got knocked out um, <laughs> like the series before. But so, um, yeah, we, we forced the punt and I'm over the sideline. They took my helmet and I'm trying to figure out where I am. I just hear an eruption, right? And the place is shaking, you know, with every single stiff arm or juke or, you know, uh, run every stride, it gets louder and louder and louder. And, uh, you know, all of a sudden I look up and I see Marshawn jumping across the goal line. And, you know, I look at the doctor and I was like, yo, what? I know I'm at a game. What the hell just happened? And he said, I think Marshawn just won the game for us. And uh, going back and, and seeing, I mean, that is one of the most incredible runs of all time. But also, I mean, it was one of the most meaningful runs because New Orleans was starting to get some momentum back and they were only a score down at that point. And that kind of put the game away with a couple minutes to go, a two score lead. Yeah. Uh, and sort of then moving on then after your time with the Seahawks, you, you had a brief stint with, with the Falcons before calling time uh, on your playing career. And then you sort of gave coaching a, a try for two years with the Seahawks as the linebackers coach under uh, Chris Richard. How, how did you find that the coaching element of the game? Oh, I loved it. Um, extremely challenging, which, you know, you, as a competitor, you love. Um, because now it doesn't matter how prepared you are, which that was one of the most, I believed I was one of the most prepared for every, you know, situation when I was a player. You have to get that information across to the players. And now the game's out of your hands. You just hope that, you know, they they took that information and do, do the most with it. But, um, you know, that's, that's the craziest part was I was never – Never nervous for a game when I was playing. Not even the national championship, not the Super Bowl. My first preseason game, I had butterflies. I, you know, because I was like, did I give them all the information? Did I give, because these guys, this is their livelihood. This is how they feed their families. And so, and I understand that. And while that didn't, that pressure didn't get to me when I was playing as a coach, Man, it was it was incredible. I know I now I know what it feels like to be nervous because I, I never did when I was playing. I, I swear, I just I believed so much in how hard I prepared and and what I was capable of doing that I didn't get nervous. But as a coach, man, 
every game I was nervous for, like just hoping, hoping I didn't let my guys down, you know, but yeah. it, you know, Bobby Wagner and KJ Wright make you look good. Uh, <laughs> I, don't, I don't know how good of a coach I was. <laughs> uh, look, man, take the credit, man. Take it. That, that's Bobby's career. Wouldn't be it there if wasn't for you coaching those for those you know, years. I, Same with KJ. I'd like to think so, but yeah. it was, um, you know, Ken Norton, you know, did a phenomenal job with those two, much as he did with me and my guys at SC that had a lot of success in the NFL. I think, you know, you, you look at it, it was a lot of it was Ken Norton teaching us how to be a pro, teaching us how to go about the game. You know, this is a five, four or five time pro bowler, three straight Super Bowl champion. Um, he knew he was the epitome of being a pro. And um, that's what, when I got there, you know, I, when I looked at KJ and Bobby, I was like, man, you know, these guys, my job is just to not mess it up. Just, you know, and there's something to be said for that to, to, to keep, you know, that, that, um, that high efficiency and that level of play. But, um, you know, Ken Norton did a phenomenal job and, and then Bobby and KJ, man, those guys are like coaches. I'd be, I'd be surprised if KJ doesn't end up coaching um, because of how much he loves the game. And uh, I mean, Bobby's going to play probably like four or five more years. So, but maybe, maybe down the road, he'll, he'll be a coach too, because uh, that's how much these guys love it. And uh, have you got any more aspirations to sort of get back into coaching or are, are you sort of done with that sort of side of the game? No, I, I man, I, I, the only reason, you know, cause everybody asked why was it so brief? If you loved it, I loved it. I have two young kids, right. And right now, now they're 10 and seven at the time they were three and six and I missed both of their, I missed their second birthday and the fifth birthday because in football, you almost have to plan your pregnancy around the season. <laughs> Mm-hmm. And yeah. so, because you want to be there for the birth, right? So yeah. um, my, my first one was born in February and it just so happened the combine was right there on his birthday, end of February. And then my, uh, my youngest was born in July. And so we were always in camp. And so, I mean, I, this is sacrifices, right? You know, mm-hmm. um, to, to, to playing and actually coaching this game. And I just was not willing to sacrifice that time uh, my father passed when he was 54. If I'm lucky, that means I have another 15 years here. I'll take that. That that sounds like a great time to me. If I'm lucky, right? That that's all perspective, fellas. But I can't. They're only young once, and they're you know I don't know if you guys have kids. Uh, you look pretty young, <laughs> but, but um, you guys are kids. But, uh, but I'm glad yeah, these filters are working now. <laughs> <laughs> but this is the one time they're going to listen to you, right? So, so you better do it right. And um, and yeah, man, um, it's uh, I, I loved it. I did love coaching. I think I could go back in some capacity. I would probably rather go on the scouting side. I really loved evaluating and finding value. You know, talent jumps out at you, but if you can find value, especially those later round guys um, that um, undrafted, I mean, those those are the guys that can really make your team strong if they outperform their their rookie contracts. Yeah. And look, if you do want to get back into the coaching thing, I think there could be a defensive coordinator position opening up over here on this side. So, pirates, yeah, absolutely. The money's not the money's not great. Well, actually, no, the money's not there. But like, you know, there's a... <laughs> hey, just fly me out for the games. <laughs> yeah. That's it. You get yeah. to become a permanent member of the show. That's payment in itself. There you go. <laughs> yeah, quite, quite an honor too. Awesome. Um, but sorry, sorry, Al. I believe you had a question there. 
Um, yeah, uh, we were talking about the Saints game there, that playoff game. And I want mm. to take it all the way back. Uh, it was your rookie season, right? 2005, where you won the West and then went on to the Super Bowl. Yeah. What was that like in, in your rookie season to, to to go that far and then ultimately, unfortunately, uh, lose yeah. the game? Yeah, no, it was, um, it's all about the journey, man. And, you know, the crazy part is I came off of two straight national titles with, with my teammates at Southern Cal, um, you know. And so when I rolled right into the Super Bowl, I didn't expect anything less. I, I always believed that we had a chance. And, um, you know, Seattle, I landed in a perfect spot. You know, Seattle, they had a, a great offense. And, and they had a lot of tough guys on defense and it just had to come together. And I think with some of the free agent acquisitions and then the drafting, you know, me and, and Leroy Hill, uh, who both started that rookie season, um, you know, we were able to really make a name as a defense. You know, we it was just a tough bunch of guys that love playing football and, and, and love, you know, the camaraderie and the brotherhood that, that it was. And I think that's what you find with most championship teams is that, it's just the best team. It's not always the best talent or players. And, uh, and we just, we just showed up and kicked ass, man. It was, that was one of the most fun years I ever had playing football and it didn't end the way we wanted to, you know, shit happens. That's life. Uh, but it was out of our control. So that's, that's the way you make peace with it is I couldn't, there's nothing I could do about those calls that happened in the game. Um, I'm not mad at the Steelers. Like a lot of people, they're mad at the Steelers. If, if we got the calls, and, you know, I got a ring. I wouldn't be, you know, I wouldn't care if they were, they were mad at me. It would be the refs, right? So either way, you can't be mad at a team or, you know, it's not like I'm going to say no to that ring if they gave it to me. <laughs> like that, you couldn't see them complaining with the with the shine bouncing off the ring anyway, I'm guessing. <laughs> you know, that's just the way it would be. But um, I, I want to actually ask about some of the, uh, the sort of the, the current sort of, you know, the Polynesian crop of players that we have in the league at the moment and, and two to sort of stand out for various reasons. And, you know, uh, first is, is Tua uh, over with the, with the Dolphins. You know, he, he seems to be getting a, a lot of negative press that, that he's not going to be the guy in Miami. Like this guy who had like an eight-game win streak last year with the team, you know, and I think that sort of being unfairly criticised and, Another guy is, is, is Vita Vea. is a player who actually I love watching play because being a, a defensive tackle player myself, the man is a brick wall. No one can run by him at all. Um, but I'd lo- love to get your view on sort of those two players and, and, and how you think they're performing in the league. Yeah, I think uh, Tua, you know, he, he's awesome, man. He really is. I think he's just been inconsistent. And uh, you look up, he'll have 300 yards, three touchdowns. And then the next week, he'll have 202 interceptions. And so, you know, it is it's it is surprising. that That's how strong that team was that, you know, um, that they were able to still put together an eight-game win streak with, with that happening. Because, like I said, it was every other week you didn't know who was going to show up. But um, but he is a tough cont- competitor, and I know he puts in the time. And, um, and I think he's going to be just fine. It's quarterbacks – it's a hard position to play in this league, man. And uh, so I think he's doing an all right job and uh, he'll, he'll figure it out. And with Vita Vea, I mean, God, I remember watching him play over here at UW and he was running down on punts. He was a personal protector. There's, I'll send you guys a couple of the plays. He's, he's made some open field tackles on punt returners 50 yards downfield. And, I mean, this is a guy we're talking about 340, 350 pounds. Um, and like you said, you can't move him. 
And uh, yeah, so he's he's special to watch, and uh, you know he's gonna he's been good for a long time. Yeah, I'm sure. Let's uh, let's talk about this. Uh, I've been putting this off, but let's talk about the current Seahawks, and let's let's talk about this off season that <laughs> that they've had so far. Probably the most interesting and definitely the most debatable one that we've had. Um, you know, and I, we'll get into to Russ and we'll get into Bobby, but you mentioned him a little bit earlier in the, at the start as well. But there was a change of defensive coordinator. Your old linebackers coach, Ken Norton Jr., was um, obviously let go. And uh, Clint Hurt was promoted to be the defensive coordinator. And also Sean Desai coming over from the, the Cleveland Bears as well. What, what have you made of sort of those coaching moves uh, so far in the offseason? Uh, well, you know, we'll, we'll see, right? It's, um, you know, I know Sean's done a lot of good things, and I know they have a rapport going back to, I think, Clint played, he spent a year or two in Chicago with the side. And uh, so there's some familiarity there. Um, yeah, and even we have, who was, uh, who was Pete's guy from, uh, he just went to Minnesota. We even had him in for a minute before he took over and took the, uh, the guy, what's his name? Um, just came from Denver. That- oh i know who you're talking about ed donatel yeah ed donatel yeah and so um i thought the collection was going to be was going to be good for for clint who's who's going to be a first-time coordinator but um the fact that him and um the side know each other i think it's gonna you know go well and you know maybe they you know like pete said in his uh press conference we've maybe been a little too arrogant in the way we've approached things on defense the last couple, because we've been so talented for years. Right. Um, when you had the Legion of boom, you know, Earl Thomas, Cam Chancellor, Richard Sherman, those guys, that front seven, you know, with Bobby KJ, but then also Cliff Averill, Michael Bennett, Brandon Meebane, all these studs. It's, you can run whatever scheme you want to, you really can. And uh, because they're not going to beat you consistently uh, with that much talent on the field. And that's what it comes down to. Talent wins. But, you know, it's good to see that, you know, Pete's open-minded. That's the one thing that I did take from coaching with Pete. If there's any way to get better, Pete's going to find it. And he's going to, you know, turn over every stone, exhaust every, you know, opportunity to to get better. And that's what a real, a true competitor does. So I'm interested to see how, how it shakes out. But, um, you know, so, you know, I thought North did a good job. For, for what we had last year and, and kind of, you know, the situation, you know, our offense was not really putting up many points, um, you know, Russ in and out of the lineup. There was a lot of things that, you know, did not go well for our defense, but I thought, I thought they held up pretty well. Um, There's just a couple of games we were on the field too long, Minnesota, Tennessee, Green Bay. Um, other than that, and then special teams, if we make a couple of kicks, we might be in the playoffs at the end there. And uh, so with the departure of Bobby, uh, the linebacker spot is all of a sudden looking very bare. Uh, we have Brooks, who is obviously very good. Then behind him, we have Cody Barton. We have Ben Burkirvan, uh John Radigan, and a few other guys, uh, Aaron Dunker from the uh, international program. Yeah. Do you think they kind of stick with those and try and work out? Or is there someone you like even from the draft uh, that we could pick up? I was, I expect them to pick somebody up in the draft. Um, but uh, I don't see Barton staying at, at middle linebacker. I think he's going to slide over to will um, Cody's he's shown to be very, you know, serviceable. He, he should be a starter from, from what I've seen, you know, um, in the few games he did play, 
He started against Minnesota back in 2020. He had 14 tackles, a couple for a loss. Um, when Bobby did get hurt, he went he went in and his first two plays, those first two series against Chicago or Detroit, he had two tackles for loss. So I'd expect those two guys to be starting. And then we're kind of running this hybrid, you know, uh, three, four kind of bear D stick defense. So it would be, I think Brooks will move over to Bobby's spot and then Barton will come in and play where Brooks is playing at the will because Brooks is, he was drafted several years ago. I knew he was a true Mike. I didn't see him playing well for very long. And so that kind of had me alarmed or, or scared that we might lose Bobby in the near future. But, um, you know, yeah, dude, that's, that's tough. Anytime you lose a guy like Bobby Wagner, a future hall of famer, perennial pro bowler, and just the leader that he is. I thought when Russ was gone, we for sure we keep Bobby, but, um, and if I were to look to the draft, like you're saying, there's a couple guys I've broken down. That dude, Devin Lloyd from uh, Utah, is absolutely insane. He's like 6'3", 235, 240. And he could play all three positions, Sam, Mike, or Will. So there's a lot of value to, to have that guy on your defense. Um, but we, I mean, we, got a, we got a couple needs. You still got to get a corner. Um, you know, we got both our safeties back. You said we signed Diggs. That's big. So we'll see. I'm – I'm excited. You know, I know everybody, when you lose two Hall of Famers, the sky's falling, right? Um, but, you know, when we, those first few years that Pete and John got together back, you know, 10, 11, 12, it was still pretty solid on defense. And then, you know, we, we got lucky in the draft finding a third rounder Hall of Famer in, in Russell Wilson. Uh, so hopefully we can do that again. But if you could build a, a strong run game, you got Rashad Penny back and you can build a strong defense, you got a chance in this league. You know, and I think that's what a lot of people, they, they overlook. Like, if you can control the ground game on offense and you can have a, you know, a tough defense, you, you got a chance in every game. Lofa, you mentioned that name. It makes Darren Win or Darrell Wins every time you do. Russell Wilson, he's obviously moved on, synonymous with the Seahawks for so many years. Uh, what does that mean for the Seahawks in terms of offense? Do you expect that? philosophy to change significantly based on who comes in and another question follow-up question that maybe you won't want to answer i don't know what your connections are with like with the seahawks at the moment but do you think was that a purely financial decision was it a tug of war between pete carroll and russell that eventually ended in well pete's not going anywhere the way he's established into that into the structure of the seahawks or or was it just time to move on and try and get some new blood in there at, at the quarterback position Good questions, my man. Um, well, the first question, you know, I would expect them to see, go back to a run first mentality. And I think we, we you know, we put too much on Russell to, to carry the team. And, you know, I don't care who you are. If you're throwing it 50 times a game, you're probably not winning many games. I mean, you look at, that's what Stafford was doing in Detroit for a decade. And, you know, guess what? He goes, he goes over to LA. He gets with a defense and a ground game, and he gets a Super Bowl ring. You know, uh, he he played his ass off, but he finally had some help at, at two spots. Where, you know, I think Drew Locke will be fine if we had those last that last month that stretch where we had 150, 180 yards rushing a game. I think now your play action works. Now all these up, this whole playbook opens up. You're going to get one on ones with Metcalf and Lockett. You know. But for so long, you know, we weren't even – we were coming out and just throwing it. Like, first half, like, 
you know, Russ had like 20, 25 attempts in one half. It's like, yo, you know, we're losing because our defense is tired because they're always out there and we're not putting up any points. Like we, we haven't given the defense anything to be afraid of, you know, in terms of a run threat. So that play action is not going to work. I don't care who you got back there, but um, now you saw how much it opened up as soon as we got the ground game going. So I do expect them <clears throat> to have a shift in, and, and I, those last three games, Russ, I think he might've thrown it over 31 times and he had over 250 yards each time. He had several touchdowns. I think he ended up nine touchdowns or 10 touchdowns to one interception in that last month. And so that's what I expect them to get back to. And I don't think Drew Locke will fight them on that. I think he'd be more than happy to, to have some help, uh, you know, on the ground and then you know, defensively. So, uh, and then the other question, I, I don't really know what's going on behind the scenes. You know, I don't even care to venture, uh, I guess. Um, but, you know, obviously, Russell, there was talk of him and his camp. When we were 12 and 4 and won the division, I would not expect anybody to be unhappy. I don't care who you are. If you're on that team and you're committed to that team, yo, know, we just won first in our division. And yeah. We're not happy with going out in the first round to the Rams, to a divisional rival, but we won another, we're hanging another, you know, uh, in the Raptors, we're putting up another banner. Uh, everything, life should be good. You know, now we should be working on those last two steps. What do we need to get over the hurdle that is the playoffs? Uh, but when that came out, that was concerning. And then you fast forward and then you have the season we have. And now, you know, here we are. And I, I knew something we had to give. Uh, but yeah, Pete, Pete, Pete and John are locked up for 2025 and 2027. I didn't expect them to go anywhere with Russell's age. I mean, I know quarterbacks are playing into their forties easier these days, but I mean, Russell's 33 and you know, is he worth, I think what is he, he's getting 25 million or something. Cause he's going to have to, it's going to, the, the new bar is 45 million, mm -hmm. 45, 50 million. And so you have to sit there and think, is he really worth $45 million? Uh, in the right circumstances? Yes. But with what we have in front of us, no. And I think that's what the decision came down to it. Uh, so you trade him for as much as you can get, and you wish him well, and you thank him for all the memories. Uh, you know, best quarterback. I'm pretty – hey, Matt Hasselbeck's my quarterback. I'm, you know, I love that guy. But – you know, Russell Wilson's the best quarterback in franchise history. And, uh, you know, it was incredible what he did in a decade. The all-time winningest quarterback in his first 10 years. Um, he broke that record. And uh, you know, he did it with a lot of help, but it's still incredible uh, what he was able to do in his time here. And so you wish him well, but, I mean, we have a chance to start over and do it quickly. And I, it, it, took, it took like two, three years with Pete the first time. You know, whether it was at SC, by the third year we were in the national championship, Seahawks, by the third year we were in the divisional, by the fourth year they won the Super Bowl. Uh, so it happens quick. And I know with Pete and how old he is, you know, he wants it to happen even faster. So I'm hoping they're rebuilding with experience at, at, at you know, at heart and, you know, um, at mind. So, yeah. Uh, I, I want to ask this question then. Do you think, because of what happened with Russ, um, and I'll, I'll get a quick question, a quick answer, because I know we're a little pressed for time here, but do you think we, 
with the benefit of hindsight that you mentioned the list that his agent gave last year and one of them was the Bears and I believe there was an offer there for the Bears for multiple picks and players. Do you think that the Seahawks should have taken that and then used those picks to get Justin Fields last year? Or do you think that the the players that are in this draft, if they are to draft a quarterback in this draft, that um, it, it was the right time to move on from him now? No, I don't think – I think the way they did it and they handled it was the right – you just came off a 12-4 and four year. I mean, you know, first in division. You're not going to – that's not the time to say, hey, Russ, you know, we'll see you later. Because you're, you're literally three games from the Super Bowl. And so, you know, with that in mind, you try to come back. Unfortunately, Russ got hurt, had the worst year of his career. It wasn't bad. His numbers were still very solid for the year he had. It's just not the Russell Wilson numbers we're used to. Uh, and, you know, I don't – Justin Fields, like, look, the, the thing is, at the quarterback position, you better have a winner and a fierce competitor. And that's what Russell Wilson is. <laughs> and so, you know, there's a reason – he was passed on three times by every team or most teams, two times by every team. And then, you know, he won in the third round. So it's um, I think if you can find a competitive guy that holds onto the ball, that does not turn it over, you can win and you can develop that confidence, you know? And I think Russ is one of the rare guys that he will always have confidence. Even, even when he got drafted, if he, if he was undrafted and had a chance to start, you'd see the same Russell Wilson, like unwavering confidence. Like I was born to do this. That's rare, right? That's hall of famer. But I think you could find guys and win with guys that it's just, I feel like the quarterback position has been a little overvalued because of the few greats that we've seen. Right. And I'm talking like Brady Manning, you know, Rogers. Um, But I I feel like these quarterbacks, are getting paid so much these days, it's now becoming kind of like the NBA star players. Like, well, all right, well, I'm going to go play for this team because I can win a ring there. All right, well, we'll see. And then, like, it just it worked out for Stafford, you know? So I think a lot of these other quarterbacks are starting to think that, like, hey, well, if I was over there, I'd win a ring. So it's becoming more of a legacy thing now, um, what I believe. Yeah. Well, Listen, Lofa, you've been so generous with our time. Uh, we just want to ask a few other things. Obviously, you ha- you have your own um, Seahawks podcast, the, the Believe in uh, Seahawks podcast with um, actor Brent Darwin. I hope I'm pronouncing the second yeah, name wrong. Said, yeah, send my apologies if it was wrong to him. But one thing I want to ask about it especially is you have some very interesting, you could say, intros to your show. <laughs> How does that come about? I, you know, we, we don't, we keep the, the screen off. Um, usually we're either happy or pissed off based on the, the previous, uh, you know, Seahawks. But there's like a little brief moment where like if, if we turn it on, we'll both just, we will show, we wear our emotions on our sleeves. So we'll show what kind of mood we're in. So we keep the camera off until they say, Hey, it's time to record. And then we'll hit it on. And, uh, and then who knows? We'll just, it's kind of, we don't plan it. I think that's bad. It comes off more natural and better that way. Sometimes he'll talk about his weekend, which I, I don't care about. Um, and <laughs> and I, I let him know that I don't care. But it's, um, yeah, man, it's been a lot of fun. Um, it kind of kind of happened, just came about through COVID. You know, I had some time on my hands. I love talking Seahawks. 
And so uh, I did a guest spot and then just kind of, they're like, Hey, come on, you know, in a couple of weeks, come on. And then they finally like, Hey, why don't, want to just make a go of this and have it be our show. And, and I, I love it, man. I, I still get my football fix, you know, like I'm watching the game with intent and purpose outside of just being a fan. I get to break it down and tell them, you know, what I saw and, and, you know, kind of use my experience, you know, from that, that, that vantage point. But, uh, but it's fun, man. And then, I mean, you guys know, how long have you guys been doing your show? Uh, just over a year. This was our first full season now doing, uh, doing the show. It came about through, yeah, pretty just before around lockdown, actually. Yeah, we started doing it too. That's awesome, man. Yeah, I yeah. mean, you know, you're talking ball with your boys. They get what it doesn't get any better than that. And so, uh, um, yeah, man, but the, yeah, the intros, they're wild, man. Sometimes <laughs> they go too long. <laughs> and uh, how did um, how did you come up with the name of the show? Uh, he they actually came up with it. Uh, so believe. BLEAV is the podcast network. They have a ton of shows with a lot of former athletes. And so a lot of them will be believed in. But we're actually, you know, we're changing our name because uh, Brett and our producer, Katie, they've been trying to make merchandise. And every time they try to print something that says Hawks, it gets shut down. And I told them we were going to have this problem. <laughs> and so if you guys have any suggestions, you let me know. But, uh, yeah, we have to find a new name. Okay. Well, what? Okay. Well, on the on the edge was it? Was it the emerald? No, that's that has hawks in it too. It's really tough now without hawks. It's I'm, really tough. I'm thinking about just calling it "Believe in Lofa." What do you think, fellas? Let's get rid of Brett. Let's get rid of. <laughs> Let's put the star. Let's put the star name where it needs to be. Roy. There we go. Lofa. Lofa. Three three hour style Joe Rogan podcast. <laughs> We're there for that, man. We're there for oh, that. Man. <laughs> well, fellas, I appreciate you, man. I uh, would yeah. love to do it again, like during the season or whatever. Jump on and talk Hawks and uh, or or hey or com- com- Commanders. What are you guys called? Yeah, the Commanders now. Just recently, still, I still just call them Washington, just to be safe. God, they might change it again in a couple of months. Yeah, God knows it this sounds race. so terrible. Sounds still I'm, the sorry. Fo- I'm sorry. <laughs> They're still the football team to me. Hey, yeah. hey, look, everyone, everyone complains, but uh, our big problem the last few seasons has been winning. So if they start to win, I don't think anybody's going to care what they're called anymore. So we just got to get that fixed, and then we'll be okay. Well, you got Ron Rivera. I like him. He's a great. Yeah, player. yeah. He's a great. Going the right direction. Yeah, and I, I actually I like Heineke. Uh, you know, it's uh, it's tough though. It's tough. You need a consistent ground game. Mm. I don't, you know. And who's mm-hmm. who's the back? Gibson. I like Gibson. He's Gibson. Good. I like Gibson a lot. Yeah, and we re-signed McKissick as well. That's going to help oh, a lot. Yeah. I think so. Yeah. There you go. Yeah, right yeah. Bill's GM wasn't happy about Gibson that. Years. <laughs> yeah. But listen, love. One last question. Sorry, before we let you go, I have to ask you about um, zoning CBD. Um, it's obviously your company. They're repping the T-shirt as, as you are. Um, how how did you get into sort of wanting to get start a CBD company, and 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 how has it helped yourself personally and and your recoveries? I got into it because it changed my life forever. Um, I, I played football, as you know, for six years in the NFL, and uh, I left because of all the injuries. Um, you know, my career should have been longer. And uh, in the six years, I had about 10 surgeries, 15 plus concussions. And, um, you know, when I got out of, yeah, when I got out of coaching, I, you know, I, I bought some property out here because cannabis had become legal. And so 
uh, me and my business partner, who's a former linebacker, we took over operations of the grow. And uh, I just started, you know, I always loved cannabis, but I had to put it away for the time that I was in college, the NFL, you know, and, and that was a mistake. You know, it was uh, it's something that has benefited a lot of people, not just football players, but the trauma that we go through physically, mentally, emotionally, even like it has put me back together. I feel stronger than I ever have. And uh, I'm going I'm about to be 40 this year and I feel better than I did in, in the years I was going to the Pro Bowl. So um, but for a couple of years, as I made this drastic, you know, because it, it it's so hard to really just put it into like a, a elevator pitch, like 30 seconds here. But um, the things that it's fixed in my life, uh, I'm forever grateful for. And so for three years before I even started zoning CBD, I was just buying hemp derived uh, because there's two plants, hemp, cannabis. They're both cannabis plants, cannabis genus, but hemp is the one with little to no THC. So it's federally legal over here. And uh, I was just handing it out to friends and family and watching them, you know, reach their potential and become their best self. And so I was like, man, this is this is too good to not share with everybody. And so when the farm bill got passed in 18, 2018, put a team together and, you know, we set off on the mission to just keep being messengers and, and spreading, you know, the word. And uh, it's changed a lot of lives in the last couple of years and, and uh, just going to keep going, man. Jason, no, if I had some here, I could definitely do with some now today after. after <laughs> sure. It's great, great for the mind and body. You know, I yeah. think people really, because when we talk about, you know, mental health, man, you know, it's becoming more prevalent. People are, you know, putting more time and energy into it and take making sure, you're, you know, you're right up here because everything falls into place after. I remember when I was in the NFL and I, I had my best body. Uh, you know, at 25, 24 years old, I didn't have my best mental health. And uh, I can't imagine how much better of a football player, you know, I would have been if I had all of that together, you know, you know, now. So it's, um, you know, it's gonna, it's gonna extend a lot of careers, which, you know, I'm happy for these, these younger guys that are getting to hear my message and my story. And it's going to put a better product, not only on the field, but also at home and in the community. It's, uh, I, I've never been more, we call it zone in because it's like, you know, flow state being in the moment. And um, so no, no matter whether I'm working out or whether I'm with my family or in business, I am totally in the moment and taking advantage of, you know, the opportunity at hand rather than drifting off elsewhere or, or thinking about the past, you know, that, you know, is that a lot of us, we don't live in the moment. And that's, that's, you know, really where our problems start is, um, you got to be present, you know, to, to be grateful for what we have. Yeah. Well, we need to get laws changed over here so you can get that international shipping sorted I, out. You know, as soon as it does, you let me know. <laughs> for sure. For sure. Lofa, for sure. Listen, I really appreciate the time. You've been so generous uh, staying on as long as you have for us. And um, before we do let you go, um, do you want to do a little uh, social media plug for, uh, for the podcast for zone in and obviously for your own personal uh, I'll do for you guys i don't worry don't worry about mine what do, do? <laughs> <laughs> what, what do you what do you guys need me to say under center podcast 
No, no. Well, sure. Look, listen. Um, yeah, <laughs> Undercenter Podcast is um, the best podcast ever, and that's uh, we're going to quote you on that. Man, <laughs> we do. We're going to we're going to do a, a preview. I'm going to I'm going to clip this here, and we're just going to put it like is the best. You don't even have to say it. Just just mime it or something. I'll put underneath it. It's fine. Hey, everybody, this is Loaf and Tupu. I'm with the boys and the Undercenter Podcast, which is the best podcast in the world. Uh, we'll we'll be at number one very soon. So, yeah, and I did. We didn't even have to talk dollars about that just yet. <laughs> so you know that's how generous you know, he is. That's you know he means it. You know he means it. Yeah. <laughs> Love it. Like I said, we really appreciate the time. And um, thank you so much for uh, taking the time to speak to us. Uh, we, we we will definitely have you on again. Um, hopefully just ahead of when the season starts, if not definitely during it for sure. Um, but like I said, once again, thank you so much. All right, fellas. Appreciate you. Stay blessed. Thank you. And lads, as always, I should say thank you to you too. Thank you. Thank you. And that's where we're going to wrap up. Uh, like I said, follow us on our social channels at UndercenterPod on Instagram and Twitter. That's where you'll find all the latest updates, YouTube, Undercenter Podcast. Audio side, the exact same thing. Just search Undercenter Podcast. You'll find us there. Subscribe. You're kept up to date of all of our shows. and um, You can listen to previous ones. But uh, that is where we're going to wrap up this edition of the show. So until we see you next time, stay safe and we will see you soon.